0: Stem cell science is changing medicine and our understanding of human development. Learn more with the Stem Cell Channel. Visit uctv.tv slash stem cell.
1: All animals need to know and communicate with their own. So evolution has developed in every brain the ways we all recognize and socialize with each other. But while other brains are social, no other brain is as social, or can do what the human brain can. And it also seems that no other brain can experience conditions like autism. Are these two fates somehow intertwined? Allison Woltry's lab at the Sanford Consortium for Regenerative Medicine is using brain organoids to unravel this mystery. And with the help of an understanding of our evolutionary cousins, new insights are emerging.
0: A focus of our lab is autism. Conditions which make it difficult or impossible for individuals to communicate and make emotional connections. There are many complex aspects to these different conditions, but they all share one thing in common. Their roots are in the cerebral cortex, this thin outer layer of neurons that fire trillions of times per second in our brains to understand and respond to the world around us. With all this complexity, Where do we start looking for abnormalities that cause these conditions? Caterina Semendeferi's work in comparative neuroanatomy helps to guide us. She shares what she has discovered about what makes brains social, and how that could be a source of conditions like autism.
1: Humans have a brain that's about three times larger than that of the great apes, our closest relatives, and that's a huge difference. So in terms of absolute volume and absolute numbers of neurons uh, the brain is much, much larger. So the question is are these larger brains that humans have just larger versions of a smaller primate brain? And we now know that that is not the case. So humans are three times larger than, than the brains of the apes but at the same time they have also been reorganized. So it's not like you're taking a brain of a chimpanzee and you zoom it up to three times and you get the human brain. That's not what's going on. The challenge is to see what exactly is it in that larger human brain that has changed. Either differentially enlarged as a whole or differentially enlarged in terms of specific parameters. For example, it can be the size of the neurons or the numbers of the neurons or the way the cortex and the gray matter is organized. We have known for a long time now that the larger the brain gets, of course, the more neurons it has, but the density of the neurons go down. And what does that mean? Well, when the brain gets bigger, connectivity gets even bigger. So larger brains have more neurons, but they have even more connections. And that special connectivity between specific structures is it what allows for social behavior, for example, to take place. So often we, we view the brain from the perspective of the cortex. We're very corticocentric in a way. In reality, the cortex is selectively interconnected with other structures, and one very important one for the social brain is the amygdala, and it sits in the very frontal part of the temporal lobe. The amygdala is known now to modulate and categorize stimuli, and then also allow the individual to um, process that information and then be in a position to transfer emotional stimuli. It has a lot to do also with uh, fear or lack of fear our ability or inability to process the intentions of uh, people who surround us and it's a critical part of, of of the social brain. In the amygdala of humans when compared to the great apes there are a lot of things that have changed specifically with the lateral nucleus of the amygdala. The lateral nucleus is the gateway to the amygdala from the cortex and it connects to the prefrontal cortex we know that the frontal cortex is actually of critical importance when it comes to complex social behaviors in humans, to social behaviors, and to uh, pretty much everything that we define as characteristic of our own species. And it just so happens that uh, that area seems to also be a hotspot when it comes to uh, neurodevelopmental disorders like autism and Williams syndrome because it is heavily affected. So in the case of autism, one of the things that we have observed is that the neurons, the numbers, and the density in the frontal cortex goes way up. The dendritic trees are collapsed, the neurons are closer to each other, and the connectivity is affected specifically in areas that have to do with social interactions. In the case of autism, we have an avoidance of social interaction and avoidance of eye gazing. In Williams Syndrome, we have the opposite. We have areas in the orbitofrontal cortex that seem to have lower density of neurons, fewer neurons. The way that the neurons are organized allows for more connectivity in those areas that are involved in social cognition. So we have more branching, we have larger neurons, we have more opportunities for receiving stimuli in specific those areas of the brain that do social brain kinds of things. Williams syndrome individuals are eager to come close, are eager to get to know uh, strangers, uh, have no fear of of approaching people. Uh, Their language is extremely expressive and full of emotions. In addition to the frontal cortex, the amygdala. In amygdala we have this very interesting phenomenon where the lateral nucleus in Williams is bigger and in autism is smaller. Two very different uh, aspects of behavior. And interestingly enough, we have the same areas in the brain affected in the two syndromes in different directions, in opposite directions. In Williams, we have the deletion of genes in chromosome uh, seven. That makes it an ideal opportunity for scientists to look and try to find associations between the deletion of these genes and compromises or changes in the brain structure because it's a very specific small set of genes. In the case of autism, in many cases, what we have is duplication of genes, and it is clear that we have two different mechanisms, deletion on one hand, duplication on the other, that may be leading to alterations in the neural systems that end up either compromising or overextending the social capabilities of humans. Some of those same genes may also be involved in how the human brain got so much bigger in human evolution and thus made our brain much more susceptible probably to disorders like autism or Williams syndrome. What what this line of work with the human tissue can give us is the full description of how a typical human brain or an atypical human brain looks like. Um, It is very important to be able to compare the kinds of information we get directly How is it that these cortical layers look like? What kinds of neurons do we have in one layer as opposed to another? How many and what is the density of the neurons in the frontal cortex? The power of what a cortical organoid can do for science is to modify the parameters to create different kinds of pathways using different genetic mechanisms by altering the typical cell migration, the typical duplication, by really controlling parameters to see which way we get into a typically looking brain as opposed to an atypical one, and what kind of an atypical one. How is it that we got from point A to point B? So putting the two lines of work together is uh, very powerful, I think. It is certainly our hope that the discoveries that will come from techniques like the stem cells and these cortical organoids will lead to early interventions to help our fellow humans who, um, who have these disorders.
0: Brain organoids like these are a unique and powerful tool to understand autism. And Katerina's work comparing the organization and the structure of the brain has helped us focus on where to look for abnormalities. But we also want to know where the genetics of our highly social brain originated and if those genetics carry the vulnerability for autism. This will tell us more about the causes of autism. To do that, we are taking a page from Katerina's book and making a comparison of brain anatomy by comparing our brain with that of our closest evolutionary relative, the Neanderthals. And only brain organoids can help us do that. We'll explore this another time on Building the Brain.